here to talk more about the election because she has been living this campaign for the last month. You know, it's been going on for 40 days. And so we've been hearing about it here and there. And I know you, your mind is on the election stories because, boy, has it ever been quite an election campaign period. But Mercedes Stevenson, our Ottawa bureau chief and host of the West Block for Global News, has been living it. And she, wel- she uh, joins the show right now. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Wow. So what in it, are you exhausted, Mercedes? I mean, it's been a long election campaign. Uh, yeah, we're we're all, uh, we've been going nonstop. It has been a 24-7 kind of election. It's been all across the country. Uh, I think you can hear it even in the leaders' voices. Their voices were all starting to crack last night. Uh, our voices are cracking. Uh, everybody has really been putting it all out there. But for us, this is like our Stanley Cup. So tiring, yes, but we love every moment of it. And it's fascinating and it's historic. Um, and you know what? It's really interesting to be on the front lines and to be able to ask the questions and to be on the buses and the planes because you get a sense of who people are and what the campaign is like in a very different way than when, you know, if I'm sitting back in the bureau watching it on my TV. Uh, and that gives us the context when we talk to you and we talk to Canadians to give them a feeling for what it's all about. Okay, Mercedes, you brought up the word historic. So what about this campaign do you think is, is historic in nature? I think how close it's remained has been fascinating. I mean, we are on election day and it's still neck and neck with the Conservatives and the Liberals. Uh, I think the nature of the campaign, historic not in a great way, in the sense that it very much became about attacks on leaders and a very leader-centric campaign. Uh, it was not heavily into the policy realm or the vision for Canada. And I think you, you hear that frustration from voters who wanted that kind of a campaign and didn't get it. Um, and, and I think also just in terms of um, the, the play in some writings where the Greens looked like they could potentially be and still could be uh, serious contenders, but the polling that we had heading into the election day here was telling us that the Greens weren't translating the kind of support they'd hoped. That said, uh, they are surging in some places. So is the Bloc Québécois, which has not happened uh, in, you know, a decade at least they've really been influential in ottawa and uh, it's going to change the dynamics in the face of this parliament that comes back what accounts for the rise of the bloc well, that's a good question. I mean, they have a really charismatic re- leader right now in Blanchette. Um, it is hard to be charismatic in your second language. And if you saw any of the English debate, you would have seen he's a really strong debater, even in English. Um, he also is able to draw on support and frustration that people there are expressing and that they're not hearing their priorities for Quebec uh, reflected in their opinion in the major parties. And some of it is just sort of this pendulum that we have in politics where things swing back and forth. But Quebecers wanted to hear about environment. Uh, They did not want a pipeline. Uh, And they wanted to hear about Quebec values and things like Bill 21, which you saw the other leaders avoiding, not consistent with the other planks in their campaign. But the advantage that Blanchard has with the BQ is that he can say, look, I'm just here for Quebec values. I don't care what people in the rest of Canada think. I don't have to balance out what I say here and what I say somewhere else. Uh, I'm just in it for Quebec. But that also makes for a very different dynamic for Parliament when it comes back, because the bloc can be a natural ally to more than one party. It's it's quite a balancing act, I would imagine, the other leaders have to play when the bloc is, is gaining some popularity, because they don't want to alienate the rest of the country, but they certainly want to appeal to Quebecers. So how do you think the leaders have handled things? Well, they've tried to do it in a couple of ways. Um, You first saw them saying, Justin Trudeau started trying out the line saying um, that the bloc doesn't have 
a monopoly on Quebec pride. You know, I'm a Quebecer. We're all Quebecers. You heard the NDP trying, although they really haven't um, managed to pull ahead in Quebec, saying that they had many ridings there and that they understand Quebec values. Everyone tried not to touch Bill 21 too much because they were concerned about the effect that it could have. Uh, but towards the end, you started to see it get much more aggressive with both Sheer and Trudeau saying, look, this is a sovereigntist party. Uh, they don't have the same values as the rest of Canada. Don't choose them. Trying to appeal to kind of that soft federalism in Quebec. Whether or not that shakes out in the polls, we'll find out. We're speaking with Mercedes Stevenson, Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block here on Global. Does either party look better at this point than they did a month ago? Because you said it, it's this is one of the things that will be historic is how close this is. Not really. I mean, not not in the sense that I could tell you. I, when people always like to say, who do you think is going to win tonight? Right. I have no idea. I really don't. Uh, I think we're expecting a minority um, either way, but it could be a majority. You really, truly never know what's going to happen until people head to the polls. And we know that polling has not been as indicative in recent years as it used to be of how people were actually going to cast their votes. Um, but we're talking about a couple of percentage points apart. You're almost in the margin of error. And then it all, frankly, depends on how it distributes in areas like here in the GTA, uh, as well as Quebec, and in uh, the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island and BC. Those are the vote-rich areas. So the overall numbers matter, and they're very close. But how that will matter, too, is when we get into these specific areas, and that's where it really comes down to not even just the numbers and the polling. What campaigns are able to get people out to vote? Mm-hmm. I can tell you, I've been talking to people in the war rooms, and the huge effort today is just find everyone who might vote for you, drive them to the pool, do whatever you have to do, get them out to vote. They need those votes. So it's going to be now who's organized and who has the ground game in those key areas on top of those numbers. When we talk about a minority, Canadians are used to minority uh, governments. Have we ever heard of a coalition idea being introduced during the election campaign like it has been, you know, Jagmeet Singh kind of dropped that last Sunday? Yeah, he kind of dropped it, and then you had uh, the Conservatives kind of fear-mongering, saying, oh my gosh, I have a coalition between the NDP and the Liberals, and, and putting out claiming that there was going to be a, an increase in the GST, things that are nowhere in the platform, um, and there's all this sort of panic about a coalition. Um, it's happened once in Canadian history. It's very, very rare. It's not like European countries where there's a, a tradition in some countries of uh, multiple governing parties getting together, and you'll, for example, have you know a foreign affairs minister from one party party and a finance minister from another party. So is it a possibility? Yes. Is it likely? No. Uh, In our history, what you have seen much more of is minority governments that are propped up by certain political parties on certain votes, and there's sort of an understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it forces the governing party to do is to really moderate their positions and to have to negotiate, and there's certain legislation that they won't be able to pass, whatever their political stripe, in a minority situation. The governments don't last as long. You do more build bridge, pardon me, bridge building mm-hmm. uh, and alliance building than you typically have to. I don't think it's likely you would see a coalition situation. Much more likely that you see uh, a minority government with the support of one or more of the other parties in parliament. Which campaign team seems the most confident? Uh, you know, I be very careful in what I say on this because it's election day. So, okay. Uh, I, I would say. Um, because, I mean, lo- standing back confident. and looking, I would say that Jugmeet Singh looks relatively confident. But, I mean, it's just because he's so, he, he's really riding on this, I'm so relatable, so I can just be yeah. myself. He's, he's super 
super confident, but he's not under any illusions that he thinks he's going to win government. Right. Um, they, they, but he really came from behind, right? I mean, this was a campaign that at the beginning, everyone was kind of saying, oh, Jagmeet Singh, uh, he fizzled out. They expected him to lead, and he really hasn't done that well. He hasn't been able to come through. And then after the debate, uh, he just he sounded like a normal person, which is what I heard from a lot of Canadians. Like, he just sounded like a regular guy. Well, I think he the liked- blackface really helped him, didn't it? Because he actually could answer honestly. He's really the only one that could. It, it helped him, and it was the but it was the way he capitalized on it too. Sure, he didn't come out swinging in a partisan sense. He said, "You know what? They're not going to make this about politics. I've been hurt by this. It's very personal for me. It's very genuine." And I think that resonated with a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, that, that it wasn't a moment that he just went on that. I can tell you, liberals are are super confident. They have been the whole campaign, but there there were times too when they weren't so sure. I saw the conservatives surging in confidence when I was on the campaign. They were picking up. Um, a, a lot of numbers in terms of rallies that seems to have started to falter a little bit in recent days from where it was at. And uh, I, I think at the end of the day, no one really is that certain about how tonight is going to turn out because it's so close. There's a lot of theories on how it's going to shake out. There's a lot of hopes, but um, your internal polling, which which the parties have and we don't see will probably have given them a pretty good sense of where they're going to end up. But that said, even that um, it's an election Literally anything can happen. It has been, uh, people say, one of the most divisive um, campaigns, like election periods in, in recent memory. And and it's been dirtier than the past. What impression are you going to be left with? I think the impression that I'll be left with is it's really something that permeates every part of our life now. I mean, even if you weren't in this campaign, it's everywhere because of social media and the media like us. Uh, and discussion. For me as a political journalist, I still value and love elections because we have them. And I've been in countries where people die to be able to vote. So I think that we have to still remember uh, how incredible and how privileged it is that we have the chance to choose who governs us here. And even if who you want doesn't get in, you had the chance to have a say. I think it's also a time for political parties to step back and take a look at the current environment and realize that the kind of toxic discussion and negativity that's going on is not what people want. Um, And the minority situation may speak to that, that people are saying, okay, I'm going to choose who's going to govern, but I don't know that I really want to give anyone the reins completely at this point. And we could be back to an election campaign in 18 months. And if that's the case, if that is the case, it'll be very interesting to see um, where it's at. And, and to be fair, you know, I think to the politicians, I don't think this is unique to Canada. Mm-hmm. I think this is sort of international forces that seep in and change our dynamic uh, and, and are happening in countries across the world versus something that's just uniquely happening here um, in our borders. We saw record numbers of people turning out to the advanced polls. Do you think we're going to have a similar situation today? Do you think that record numbers of Canadians will get out and vote today in this election? Well, that's a great question. I mean, is it that the advanced polls were more convenient and that's why people were there? Is it that they were particularly driven in this election? We don't know why those people voted and we don't know who they are yet. So it's hard to say. Advanced polls often don't indicate to us what overall voter turnout will look like, but that was an exceptionally high number. So is this going to be counterintuitive where people have said, oh, it's really negative and nasty and people are going to disengage? Are they going to do the opposite and instead come out and vote? Um, I hope lots of people get out there and vote. I hope everyone listening goes out and votes. But, um, you know, it's very hard to gauge voter turnout. It's been sort of steadily going down over the years, Mm. but this may be an election that changes that if those advanced polls are reflective of today. And, of course, we won't really know those answers until tonight.
Mercedes, you have a long day ahead of you, I imagine. Are you going to be um, joining us for our 640 Toronto election coverage, kicking off at 630 with Alex Pearson and Alan Carter? Uh, I am going to be live on our Decision Canada special tonight, which I know is also going out, I believe, on radio. Mm -hmm. I'm our lead political analyst, and we will be with you till the bitter end, which in this case could be really late. It could be until well after the B.C. polls close, and typically that's not the case. And I'm from Alberta originally, and so I feel the West Coast angst where often elections are called and you don't even know the results for your area yet uh, just because of the seat distribution. But this might be a, a very rare and different election in that sense that we may still be trying to figure out what this looks like. We may not know tonight, too. We may know, okay, there's a minority, but if it's a very close situation, who's going to back who? Justin Trudeau has the first opportunity under the way our system works to try to form government if he has enough seats and if he can get someone to back him up. If he doesn't or if he doesn't concede defeat and it's very close, that's when things could start to get very interesting. Mercedes, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to hearing more from you uh, tonight.